Hello and welcome to Crosstalk, where all things are considered. I'm Peter Lavelle. Liberal illiberalism was again on display this past week with Biden's second democracy summit. The problem is most of the world doesn't divide countries into democracies or autocracies. In fact, much of the world views Western democracy as an expression of ideological hegemony. discuss these issues and more, I'm joined by my guests, Martin Jay in Marrakesh. He's an award-winning journalist and commentator. And here in Moscow, we have Dmitry Babich. He is a political analyst and editor at InnoSME Internet Media Project. All right, gentlemen, crosstalk rules in effect. That means you can jump anytime you want, and I always appreciate it. All right, let's start out with Martin here. Uh, Martin, we had uh, the Biden administration's, uh, I guess, uh, second annual or uh, uh, biannual, I'm not sure, because he talks about democracy a lot. Um, as the uh, former president of the United States and frontrunner in the uh, opposition party is indicted. So, I mean, democracy, a message for the world, but not much democracy at home here. I mean, this is beyond farcical, and most of the world sees it. And if you look at the final communique, the number of exceptions that countries say, well, we, we, we like this agreement, but not this paragraph, and not this paragraph here. I mean, absolutely farcical. But this is how they see the world. They see the world as a, a binary, a democracy versus autocracy. And of course, if you don't agree with democracy, then you're an autocrat. I mean, it is a such a Manichaean view of the world. Go ahead, Martin. Yeah, it's a banal polarization, um, which even when you go back in the day when uh, America had some sort of credibility on the world stage as the, the one that dishes out the moral tutelage you know, on a grand scale, I'm talking in the post-war years, perhaps. Um, you know, even in those days, you know, the, the grounds for America taking that role were always very dodgy, always, always quite, um, always lacked credibility. I mean, now today... I think Biden is really um, used the word farcical. I think that, that's 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 a good word. And I, I think that's really where we are with this. You know, is Biden um, was somebody who banged on a lot about um, human rights um, when he was leading up to the, his own election as president. You know, when Trump was in office, um, jumped on the Ashogi murder in Saudi Arabia as a huge issue that he constantly um, said that he would pursue if he was in uh, government, you know, in, in line with the Washington Post, which took it on board. Turns out that that was just a load of nonsense. That was just a way of hitting Trump. Um, the moment he got into office, you know, didn't really care too much about um, these things. Um, but now he's presenting this sort of farcical international circus, you know, by Zoom. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> seriously, can we, can we take it, you know, um, on the anniversary of the 20 years of, of the Iraq war, you know, we're supposed no to- No self-awareness, absolutely no self-awareness. No, no, totally tone deaf, you know, no, a completely irony-free zone here. You know, we, we invite Iraq and we tell Iraq that they need to improve their human rights, you know, because it's just one of these countries on the blacklist, because there is a blacklist, they've got these different lists, and Iraq is on the one, you know, that has no democracy. That's hilarious. And why does it have no democracy, Mr. Mr. Biden? You know, so it is an irony-free zone, and it, it is farcical. Um, but you know, the world can't really take this very seriously, given the timing of it, given that um, we don't associate Biden with somebody who really believes in human rights or is able to even pull this off. You know, is actually to talk to the rest of the world about human rights. Nobody really cares about human rights. It's a lie. 
It's uh, and it has been for a very long time. And Biden isn't doing a very good job, I think, of using it as some sort of um, political tool to get countries to align themselves more with his ideas of the role they should be playing in this what you call you know a binary world, a world of black and white of autocrats and democracies. And you know, you know what, you know, I mean, democracy is very overrated. And you know, it's if you're going to if you're going to stand on that parapet and talk about democracy, you've got to lead. You've got to be the one. You've got to you've got to lead by example. You know, and I'm afraid America isn't hasn't done for a very very long time. You know, and uh, look at the long list of interventions in the last twenty or thirty years. In, in my career as a journalist, you know, the, the millions of lives lost, um, you know, because of complete, because there is this rule that America has, which is we believe in these principles, these, these ideas of democracy, but the one rule we must install around the world is that every now and again, we, and only we, are allowed to throw that rule book out of the window for one day, one week, when we invade a country, when we assassinate a dictator somewhere we don't like, and then you're all supposed to take us seriously and forget that happened and we carry on as normal. You know, another anniversary, which this awkward conference falls on, is um, is the assassination of Pat- Patrice uh, Lumumba in uh, Zaire. You know, this was uh, this was a guy that the Americans didn't like because he was clever, he was educated, he didn't fall into line with the US hegemony. This is the late 50s now when Zaire was, became independent. You know, we've just discovered in the last few years that, in fact, it was the British who assassinated this guy. It was a British... MI6 um, agent in, in Kinshasa at the time. You know, and um, all these, you know, issues, you know, we can't really, I think, given the perspective, when we look at America taking this position and, and positioning itself as this leader of, of democracy and the one who decides what is democracy and what is not democracy. You know, well, and, and also, if you think of the, the countries that uh, did attend this uh, farcical event, Dima, if I can turn to you now, you know, uh, it doesn't mean that they don't have good relations with Russia and China, which, of course, this is what this whole charade is all about. It's creating a block, a, a block against Russia and China and other countries, too. Iran, we can throw in there. But, you know, most of the world doesn't buy into it. And I'm glad Martin mentioned it. it's all through Zoom. So, I mean, it's not taken very serious whatsoever. And uh, And again, like I mentioned, there were so many exceptions here. But if it's an exercise in trying to isolate Russia and China, well, it's a fool's errand because neither are isolated, Dima. Well, indeed, I won't mention all the countries that, in fact, did not support. Uh, Please that, don't, okay? Because we yeah, don't have that much time. You or, 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 or you know uh, of the conflict in Ukraine. Let me just mention Brazil and, of course, uh, China. China was not even invited to this conference. Brazil was invited. But it didn't, I mean, Lua specifically didn't vote uh, for, for the part of the resolution that condemns Russia. So, uh, but uh, this is not the main problem. The main problem is the very divisive idea of this conference. Uh, I mean, uh, let's remember the old sophism against Socrates, you know, used by his opponents. All cats are mortal and Socrates is mortal. So Socrates is a cat. The same logic we see here. We stand for human rights and for women's rights. You are our opponent. That means you are against women's rights, which is a total nonsense. A lot of countries which were not invited respect women's rights and respect human rights. And and the the very idea that only the countries that are democracies uh, should be respected is also very divisive. It means you don't respect 
other countries, which somehow did not get invited. And, and you know, the, the very language which these people use, uh, like uh, uh, on the, on the uh, situation in Ukraine, uh, in, uh, in spirit of respecting UN Charter. Okay, we throw the UN Charter out of the window when we attack Iraq, when we attack Syria, yeah. when we attack Libya, but, you know, we don't forget for a minute about it when our opponents get involved, right? Then whom do we have there speaking, you know? There is a panel, there is a panel uh, on uh, democracy delivering on global challenges. And there is Vladimir Zelensky speaking there. He created a huge global challenge by his behavior, by his stewardship of Ukraine, he created a global threat, not just a global challenge. And he's speaking there. And who is speaking on the other panel? countering misuse of technology and digital authoritarianism. No other than U.S. Secretary of Homeland Security, Alexandra Mayorkas, is delivering on that, together with Avril Haines, U.S. Director of National Intelligence. If someone used digital uh, surveillance, you know, digital authoritarianism, that were them. But again, you have this uh, total uh, theater of absurd. Again, you have this mod, uh, Socrates is a cat, you know. You have these people, uh, uh, you know, when Georgia wants to control the foreign sources of financing for its political NGOs, that is digital authoritarianism. That is misuse of technology. When uh, these people, you know, when the uh, National Security Agency and others, when they eavesdrop on people in the United States, in France, in, in Spain, this is uh, advancing technology uh, in, uh, for democracy. This is how they call it. Can you imagine, you know, there, this... When it gets down to it, go back to Martin here, it, it, it's it's just another device to try to maintain hegemony. This is what it is. I mean, it could be it could be the, the environment, it could be trans rights, it can be all anything you want it to be. I mean, this is a, a mechanism to draw lines, to separate and to isolate. Okay. It is the most anti-inclusive uh, uh, thought process that I can even imagine, Martin. Yeah, it's, it is a device. That's exactly the correct word. I, I would have said tool. Um, and and the question is, is it being used effectively, you know, to the benefit of those countries, you know, the longer term benefit for them socially, economically, politically, or is it just only for America to gain leverage? I think if you look at the perspective, if you take a step back, I think it's also linked to um, America's ability um, to actually intervene militarily themselves in countries around the world. The last time this happened, I mean, you've got to go back to Gulf War, right? Second Gulf War, George W. Bush. And since then, America just hasn't had the courage to intervene anywhere. It just doesn't have the courage in its own political dynamics. It doesn't have the courage with its own military to, to go ahead. And so there is a new, um, there is, there is a new setup um, on, in Washington whereby that there, Biden has to actually use other tools at his disposal to to bash this drum of hegemony and keep these countries on board. And of course he's losing. Obviously he's losing. This is a this is a losing strategy. You know, human rights as a subject for the last 30, 40 years was always a tool. I, I think it with the best the best way to describe it is as a commodity. It was a commodity that was traded. Nobody actually ever really believed in it. And it's really, really apparent now with the EU and with Washington when we see what's going on um, in Africa. Um, most of these countries in this region, and certainly in this part of the world where I am, in North Africa, who are democratically imploding and sending huge streams of middle-class emigres 
who, who are leaving these countries, um, Burkina Faso, Mali, Chad, Central African Republic, and you know, they're all streaming into uh, Libya and Tunisia. And it's, it's interesting, the last few weeks, Italy has been really pulling uh, the knife out of the sheath um, against uh, the European Union's neck and making all kinds of threats about these immigration throws, uh, flows, um, suggesting preposterous ideas that the Russian Wagner groups are behind this, without any sense of history, without any sense of understanding that it is the EU's failed policies in these countries, propping up these dictators, finding billions of dollars of cash, as they did in 2015 for... Um, for the Central African Republic after its civil war. You know, these kind of examples, these have contributed to, um, you know, to immigration flows, to to failed um, EU hegemony, if you want to call it that. And the same same with America. So, you know, there's a, there's a, there's a lot to fight for, but human rights was always a commodity. It was always right, a commodity. Mark, hold that used. thought there, gentlemen. We have to go to a hard break, and after that hard break, we'll continue our discussion on some real new state with our team. Welcome back to Crosstalk, where all things are considered. I'm Peter Lavelle. This is the Home Edition. To remind you, we're discussing some real news. All right, let's go back to Dima here in Moscow. You know, the, again, this whole uh, mantra of, uh, of uh, dividing the world into democracy and autocracies. Again, it, it, I mean, it, even the Cold War is more sophisticated than this, okay? Because it's just one size fits all. Um, and, and during the Cold War, it was a competition of different ideological systems, okay? At least there was a recognition that there was two things in play here, okay? okay. And 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 they they to these systems appeal to the hearts and minds of uh, of countries in the world. This is different. It is more simplistic. It's very sophomoric. Um, one size fits all. Our size is the correct size. We have deemed it um, um, uh, appropriate to how humanity will move forward. And if you don't. Uh, fit into our one-size-fits-all, I'm thinking of NATO members like uh, Turkey and, and Hungary, um, then then yeah. you are not only not in, in the church, as it were, you're uh, outside of it and to be considered, um, uh, what is it they call uh, uh, Hungary, an illiberal, uh, liberal democracy. Okay? Illiberal democracy, yes. Well, it's just uh, very funny how these people remind me of the Soviet Union, you know. Samantha Power at her panel spoke about people-oriented justice and uh, uh, people-oriented democracy. You remember how the Soviet Union called uh, the countries uh, that it controlled in Eastern Europe people's democracies. And even in the Kremlin, even in the Central Committee of the Communist Party, they said it was absurd. Some people said it was absurd because democracy is power over the people. So how can be double people's power? But th that works with totalitarian societies, you know, when you have people uh, who, who basically live by demagoguery, uh, you have these pleonasms, you have these situations. And I would go even further than the Cold War. I mean, look, uh, the majority of wars that we had since 1991 were fought in the name of democracy. The mm -hmm. war in Syria was formerly in the name of democracy. The war in Libya, the war in Iraq. Come on, you know, during the 16th century, during the wars between Catholics and Protestants, people fought formally for the right way to heaven 
what is the right way to behave to get to the paradise. And now people feel each other over the problem. How can we, in the best way, put these pieces of paper in, in a ballot box? Uh, uh, actually, uh, about just about half of the people take part in these elections, and they're always disappointed. Uh, and still, it is worth killing people for, you know, these uh, you know, uh, wars in the name of democracy. Well, uh, it's, it's such a good point because, Martin, um, you know, it, it, it's a very different discursive element in play here. I would uh, uh, wager, at least on this program right now, is that it, it, there's kind of an Anglo-Saxon um, uh, view of democracy as being some kind of something that is sacred, okay? But for most of the world, it's uh, a procedure, okay? And what the what the what the 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 Anglo world likes to do is to turn it turn it into a sacred process. That is not, you know, because you said just very quickly, and, and we could probably make a whole program on it. You know, democracy is overrated, and I like that. Why do I say that? I like it when it works, when it's allowed to work. Okay, if it's not allowed to work, then I'm not. Why should we pay homage to it like they do in this Washington conference here? They pay homage to something that they do not even believe themselves, because the end goal always is hegemony. It's not people's will, Martin. Yeah, and it's sort of it's, it, Biden is trying to keep this idea of an exclusive club alive, and you have a long list of members, and you give them different rankings. Um, and different levels of encouragement to become closer and closer to the top table. And, uh, you know, maybe a lot of countries will buy into that. I mean, certainly there's a good number that will, but I think it's interesting to note the countries that won't and the countries that are standing up to this and saying, no, this this model is outdated. I mean, you you know, Dimitri was talking about the Catholics and the Protestants. I'm not even going to go there. I'm a Brit. <laughs> you know, which is, we're not going to get into Northern Ireland or any of that. But, you know, it, when you look at the Puritanism, I think is what you're talking about, the Anglo-Saxon model, this started in 1890 in Africa. This started with British mercenaries. Uh, mercenaries, you're going to have to edit that out. British missionaries going into uh, the dark. Well, some people do do confuse the terms. <laughs> Shine the light into the darkest part of the continent. And this idea is still very much alive today in the Biden camp, I think. He's a conservative. He looks backwards. He looks back at, at, yeah. um, at the Anglo-Saxon period. But, you know, the Anglo-Saxon period of Britain and America ruling the world with this with this moral tutelage, you know, resulted in people like um, Lubumba in, in, in Zaire being assassinated quite brutally because the cable between the American intelligence chief and the American one and the British one, to justify it, was Mobutu may be an SOB, but he's our SOB. You know, and I think that summed it up perfectly. You know, the the this Anglo-Saxon elitist, um, high-polluted Puritanism, you know, is outdated. It's gone. It's past. You know, we're we're living. Well, in I mean, but you know, it doesn't work. See, I mean, it, that you know, it, that's what's most important here. I mean, you can have ideas, but it, if they don't work and they don't work in the way that you claim that they'll work, then they're obsolete and they're an excuse. Uh, that's what I want to keep stressing. It's an excuse here, Dima. And one of the interesting things is you you look at the the the, uh, the very esteemed people that were involved in this. It's really quite amazing uh, that they would uh, take the time uh, to talk about these kinds of things when the 
the world is essentially on fire. Um, but this this is all an excuse to intervene in the sovereignty of other countries. This is what it's all about. I mean, they they've been able to make a drive a huge wedge between democracy and sovereignty, and that's intentional. Okay, because Russia has a democracy def uh, deficiency; its sovereignty it should not be recognized. Okay, China, all these other kinds. It's see the, the, the hegemony and democracy as opposed to sovereignty, and this is this is all intentional on their part, Dima. You're absolutely right, and I like uh, the, the comparison that Martin made, you know, with Puritanism. You know, when Biden spoke to this conference, I mean, he used the religious language, keep the torch burning, you know. Uh, democracies are getting stronger, autocracies are getting weaker. Uh, that sounds like a missionary <laughs> and a mercenary, I'm sorry, at the same time. You know? At the same time. Uh, like... Uh, countries in good faith are in the majority. You know, countries in bad faith are becoming a minority. Oh, they, they, they will, not, will not use these words, of course, now, because minority is now something sacred, you know. But uh, uh, you're absolutely right. I mean, the, the, real, the real division in the world right now is between uh, the North and the Global South. And that was said. Uh, not during this conference, everyone was hypocritical during this conference, but at the same time, there were uh, several events taking place in Latin America, in Eurasia, and people there talked about absolutely different things, and they raised other issues, and, and, and they said that the, the real gap is between the North, which does not want to understand the South, which does not want to see its problems. Uh, I mean, even uh, with the attitude to uh, uh, sanctions against Russia on the war, uh, you know, in Ukraine. How does the West be behave? They say, oh, you must impose those sanctions just like we did, but, you know, the South doesn't have the resources, you know. The, the West has huge uh, money savings, and even, even, even with these savings, uh, the European Union countries are suffering a lot uh, from the sanctions that they imposed on Russia. Europe is becoming deindustrialized. And, and much of the global South still waits to be industrialized. And, well, and, and it's already it's exactly, Dima, that's exactly right. Martin, I mean, again, I'm glad Dima brought this up because this whole sanction regime is another means to impede the development of, of the global South. The global South, see, you know, they did, they do look to the, historically to the North, the North, North slash West, and they say two things they like. You guys had a lot of prosperity and a lot of safety. We're on board for that. That's the agenda we want. Your democracy stuff, okay, 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 fine. We'll do a Zoom call from time to time. But we want security and we want prosperity. And this is being impeded again by the West. Martin. Yeah, but the deal is you have to fall on your knees and lick the ankles of Uncle Sam. And, you know, and if you don't do that, then politics kicks in and you become ostracized, you become identified as the problem. Why? Is Hungary and Turkey not? Why were they not? Hungary and Turkey was not invited to the conference because both of those leaders are recalcitrant, rebellious um, individuals who don't ask how high when uh, America says jump. You know, and they are both of those um, countries. Erdogan and Orban are facing presidential elections, and that is very much um, a, a trick, if you like, a ruse by Biden to not give them political support. Um, at, at the polls. So it's very political and very hypocritical. And uh, I don't know how much mileage 
that uh, model has. I mean, if you look at, uh, we, we, we go back to, it's interesting we haven't talked about Ukraine in this show. That's great. Let's leave Ukraine to one side because we don't need to bring in Ukraine. All we need to do really to completely blast this entire circus out of the water is when we talk about human rights, is talk about Israel. Israel was invited to this conference. Israel is the greatest perpetrator of human rights on the planet. How are, How is Israel, you know, how can we actually... Give any credence whatsoever to this to this ridiculous farcical Zoom thing that Biden has put together. When every single day, Palestinians are treated like animals. They have been dehumanized. They are no longer humans now. A thousand homes were stolen last year by Israelis. Palestinians were just kicked into the street. Everybody knows the long-term objective of the Israeli government, which is to basically rid the country of Palestinians. That's the idea. Let's, let's but, just Martin, but they all did wipe out Palestinians completely. Yeah, but, the, but the Biden administration was up, uh, upset with their judicial reform, but overlooks everything. I mean, again, that's absolutely stunning that this is when you'll speak up. Mm. Keep going. Keep yeah. Going. And, and so, and so where, where do we go with that? You know, do we accept um, that there have to be uh, exemptions to this? this elitist Anglo-Saxon puritanism kind of club, you know, which is sort of based on an 1890s model, you know, or do we say, no, you know, you've got to lead by example and somebody has got to put their foot down and and do something about Israel. And, you know, this this has got to stop. So so I think um, I think this is this not, uh, Biden has not really put a lot of thought into this. I don't think this is going to go very far. I think the, the danger of these, these um this these zoom call things that he's organizing is that they're actually going to be a rod for his own back in the longer term i don't know how much longer well I, 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 the, the world is the, the most of the world is not um interested in these so-called western values and importantly gentlemen they're not they don't fear the west like they used to all right we've yeah. run out of time i want to thank my guests in marrakesh and here in moscow i want to thank our viewers for watching us here at rt see you next time remember crosstalk rules